Hi there, welcome to Southside Baptist Church's Sermon Audio Podcast. To learn more about us, you can check out our website at southsidesbc.org, or you can go to our Facebook page. If you'd like to connect with us, you can send us an email at info at southsidesbc.org. If this podcast has been a blessing to you, please go on to your podcast platform and leave us a positive review to help others find our content more easily. Thanks for listening and have a great week. We are in Colossians chapter 3, uh, verses 16 and 17. I want to talk to you this morning about priorities. Several years ago, uh, a couple from Atlanta, Georgia, found out that the musical My Fair Lady was still playing on Broadway in New York. They'd always wanted to see it. They said, hey, you know, if it ever comes again, we're going to do this, right? And so they wanted to go so badly, so they, they checked online to see if there were tickets, and they saw that the soonest seats that were available were about six months out. And so uh, they purchased their tickets and then began to plan their vacation. So the six months passed. Finally, the the time came, the long-awaited day came. So they flew to New York City, they arrived at the theater, they presented their tickets, walked in and found their seats and sat down. Lo and behold, their seats were seven rows from the front. They were fantastic seats right near the orchestra and they they were so excited. They'd gotten there a little early so they could get the atmosphere and so forth and so they watched as everybody came in and the whole auditorium began to fill up. In fact, it filled up so much that the whole place filled up except for one seat right next to them. The man was curious about that. Uh, So at intermission, he leaned over to the lady that was two seats over from him and, and commented how they had to wait so many months just to get tickets to that performance. Uh, and when there was such a demand for seats, why in the world would somebody not come? Well, the lady said, actually, um, uh, the, both of these seats are mine. She said, the one I'm in and the, the one that you're, the empty one, they're right next to you. She said, that seat actually belonged to my husband and he passed away. The man felt terrible. He said, I'm, I'm terribly sorry. I, I didn't know that. Uh, he said, but if, if, if you don't mind if I ask, I mean, these seats are very valuable. And, and I'm sorry that your husband passed away. But why in the world didn't you invite someone else, a friend or somebody to come with you? They're such expensive seats. To which the lady said, well, actually, they're all at the funeral home right now. Yes, her husband's seat, his funeral, she was there. Um, I would say she probably needs to recheck her priorities, amen? You know, when we talk about priorities, friends, I believe we all, um, we all need to check our priorities and see about getting our priorities right, amen? Um, last week, we talked about um, real Christianity, what real Christianity looks like. We talked about how we should live um, this new life in Christ and how we should seek as God calls us to and wants us to, to make sin a thing of the past. This morning here in verses 16 and 17 of Colossians chapter three, Paul 
um, kind of wraps up that what we, we were talking about last week. He kind of wraps up some practical, very practical instructions for living the Christian life before he kind of dives into what we'll look at next time, some specific relationships and uh, how we should relate to each other in the marriage relationship and work relationship and in parent-child relationship. We'll talk about that next time. But in these couple of verses that we're going to look at today, Paul gives us four priorities. Were our priorities right? Let's check and see. Four priorities, I believe, for the Christian life. Number one, here's the first one. Immerse yourself in God's word. That ought to be, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe number one, right? Look at what Paul says here in verse 16 as he kind of, kind of sums up what we were talking about last week. And he says this, he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the word of Christ, the, the message of the gospel and the teachings of what our Lord Jesus Christ has said to us. And by extension, really all of God's word. Amen. Let the word of Christ, I believe one of the reasons, um, I, I don't know that he's really saying anything different other than the word of God, the message of the gospel that is revealed in the word of God. The emphasis here in the book of Colossians, his, this letter that he's written to Colossae is on who Christ is, right? And so Paul wants to emphasize that the, the gospel is the message of Christ. The, the Bible is the word of Christ. We really can't separate those two. Amen. So he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, uh, dwell, uh, let it, let it live within you. Let it abide. Let the emphasis even is on a permanence. Let it, let it make its home in you permanently. Um, and we can't forget he adds the word richly or some translations may have it abundantly. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly or abundantly. In other words, friends, Paul wants us to allow the message of the gospel and the word of God to permeate every area of our lives, every aspect of our being, our heart, our thoughts, our mind, our words, our actions, our entire lives, everything about us Paul says, let the word of Christ dwell in you abundantly. You know, um, when you go somewhere to go swimming, especially maybe this time of year, it's the beginning of the year, you know, a lot of pools haven't even been opened up, but, um, you know, you get a hot day. Some people head up to Lake Michigan, right? Uh, or if, or if you, somebody's opened their pool, you, when you, when you, that first part of the season when you, when you go somewhere to go swimming, um, and, and you know, the water's a little cool. In fact, can I just say something? Lake Michigan is always freezing cold. <laughs> can I get a witness? Amen. Thank you. Thank you. It's always freezing cold, but you know, when you go for that first time, you, what do you do at first? You just stick your toes in the water, right? Woo! You stick your toes in the water and, and maybe once your toes have gotten used to it a little bit, then you'll walk in up to your ankles. And then, then once, once your ankles have gotten kind of numb at that point, then, then, then you walk in up to your knees and, and maybe you'll walk in up to your waist. But you know, that first part of the season, there's no way I'm going head first in, right? I'm no way I'm going all in. 
And so we're hesitant to get all the way in the water to go under. Uh, Friends, Paul is encouraging us when it comes to the word of God, not just to get our toes wet. I'm just going to, just going to dabble in the word of God a little bit. No, he, not just to, not just to go ankle deep, not just to go waist deep, but Paul is encouraging us to go all in, amen, to immerse ourselves in the word of God. I love how Max Anders, uh, I don't know if is Max Anders is a pastor uh, in Indianapolis and he's written uh, several things that we use. One is, um, used to be called seven marks discipleship. Some of you have been through brave new discipleship, but Max has a, has a saying, and I, I, don't, I assume it's original to him, but I, I love it. He says that we need to master the Bible so well that the Bible masters us. I love that saying. We need to master the Bible so well that the Bible masters us. I think that's good in a lot of different ways. Number one, because mastering the Bible is not just about gaining knowledge. Listen, you're going to run into people in your life that say, oh, I've read the Bible all the way through. I don't see there's nothing special about it. Um, as Pastor Brandon and we sang this morning, you know, when you read God's word, we need to come to it uh, not as hard ground. There's somebody that's like that, they can read it through a thousand times. Coming with hard ground, they're not going to get anything right? We need to come and say, okay, God, and maybe it's even from skepticism, but say, God, if you're real, show me in your word. God, if this is your word and and I believe it is, then speak to me through your word and what you want to have to say to me. And friends, when we come to it like that, that's the heart of that. I want to, I want to get to know God's word so that, and I want to master it so that it can master me. The problem is most people just want to dabble in God's word. A little here, a little there. Um, Friends, imagine if you got serious with God's word. I just want you to imagine. Imagine if you really got serious with God's word. I want you to think about this. As believers, when we get saved, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. Amen? The moment we get saved, Holy Spirit of God comes to live inside of us. And he is our comforter. Um, and, and he is there to lead us and to guide us. And so, if we are supposed to let the Holy Spirit lead us and guide us, let me ask you a question. Who inspired, uh, the Bible's written um, by, over, uh, by around 40 different men uh, over about 1,500 years. Who inspired those men to write these words? The Holy Spirit did. God the Holy Spirit did. That's exactly right. Who used those, those uh, men as instruments through whom to convey God's message to the world? It's the Holy Spirit, right? So if the Holy Spirit of God, who lives inside of you, inspired the men, as the Bible itself tells us that he did, to write down these words, then, friends, if we want to be led by the Spirit, why would we not read the words in which he wrote? That's one of the main ways that we can be led by the Spirit, is to get in God's Word and let the Word of Christ the word of God, the words inspired by the Holy Spirit to dwell richly and abundantly within you. Amen? Now, I believe there's a purpose in that. And I believe that one of these purposes is the second priority that Paul gives us here. 
And that is this, friends. Not only do we need to immerse ourselves in God's word, but we need to build each other up. One of the reasons he wants us to immerse ourselves in the word is so that we can build each other up. Look at verse 16 and let's continue. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. Now, let me pause there for just a minute. I am well aware of the comma in the New King James there. Okay. But, and, and, and how um, the, the, the translators of the New King James um, phrase that. But let me remind you of something that the punctuation is not in the original Greek. Okay. And so the groupings of those words is uh, simply an interpretation kind of, if you will. I don't know that it makes a whole big difference here, but it does somewhat um, rather because I believe that phrase as some of the more modern uh, translations um, do as well, it goes with that second idea so that in all wisdom actually modifies there's part of teaching and admonishing one another. Okay. So, how are we to teach and admonishing, admonish one another in all wisdom? Amen. Now teaching, we talk about um, teaching and admonishing one another. This is kind of a discipling and a discipler type of thing, right? Whether it's a formal relationship or an informal relationship where we are iron sharpening iron. Teaching is the positive side of that, right? It's instruction of the word. And so that happens in our small groups. It happens in our connect groups and Sunday morning. It happens in classes that we do and so forth. It happens um, in Awana and Sunday school for the kids and that kind of stuff. It happens in youth group as John and Stephanie and all of our youth leaders teach our youth. Um, that, that is a positive thing. Instruction of the word. Admonishing. It's a little bit more of the negative side, right? It is a warning of warning somebody else uh, of, of consequences of certain behavior. So there's a positive and a negative there. And Paul says that we, in, in love and in wisdom, we need to do both, right? We need to teach and admonish one another as the need may be. But note, it's in all wisdom. So listen, we don't need to be like a bull in a china shop, amen? Listen, you're not going to teach anybody very long if you, if you act like that. Um, or you're not going to do much admonishing if you act like that either, because they're not going to listen when it comes to the second time around. And so we need to do that in all wisdom, um, with wisely and with tact. Amen. Um, we need to teach and admonish. And I want you to make special note of the one another. There's a lot of one another's in the scripture. Amen. Because we are to do this together as one another, as one another. As believers, friends, we are to be supporting and encouraging one another to live for Christ. We are to help one another. Amen? You are familiar with this next verse. I want to show you on the screen. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. So the temptation, listen, in our day as well as in Paul's, was to forsake the assembling together of ourselves. We've experienced that over the past couple of years, haven't we? 
That's the temptation. Very simply and very easily, whether it is in a formal setting like this or some other setting, the temptation is to say, hey, you know what? I don't want to go to that. I can, I can just do this on my own. You know, I can, I can uh, focus on my relationship with God, with just, just me and him. I don't need others. Um, friends, let me remind you that the group, the, whatever phrase you want to call it, the institution, the organism that was started by Jesus himself to help us do this very thing is the church. Amen. That's what Jesus started. Jesus didn't start the lion's club. Okay. Jesus didn't establish the library or the, the, the town square, Jesus established the church as the mechanism for our one another's, encouraging one another and building each other up, friends. And that's why it is so, so important that we as believers come together. That's why we're having a meal together today, to fellowship together, to get to know one another uh, better. Listen, some of you that I know the closest, you know how we've gotten close? It's by serving together in this church. Amen? Um, it is by rubbing elbows as we do the Lord's work together, friends. And as we do that, then what we're able to do is we're able to help each other through the difficult times of life when we get to know each other and we can build each other up. Now, let me pause here for just a minute and say welcome to those of you who are joining us online. Um, we live in a world today that I am grateful that we have the opportunity for you to watch us online. And whether you're watching us live right now, uh, I know some of you are, are gone and out of town on vacation. I know some of you are sick watching us online. Some of you may be watching us uh, for the first time or, or just kind of checking us out and seeing uh, what's this church all about. Um, we are grateful that we can do this online thing uh, for those purposes. And there are a lot of good purposes for that. Um, when you're sick, um, I'm glad, you know, what I've, what I've tended to find is now that we have, uh, online, we are able to stay connected even when we're not able to be here, or maybe even when we're out of town and many of you check in that way and so forth and watch. And so it's a very big blessing, but please understand my heart when I say this. Okay. And if you're watching online, and that's the only way you check. And some of you are shut-ins. I know we have a few people that watch us that, that live out of town and uh, are not able to, to go physically to a church. And so we're grateful for that. Uh, kind of replaces the old cassette ministry of the years ago, right? Some of you remember that, okay? Um, and we're grateful that we're able to do that. But please let me beg you that if you are able physically, um, if you, are, you, I want to encourage you, I want to invite you to come be a part of what God's doing here live at Southside, okay? I want you, uh, if you're not here locally and you can physically get to a, a, a physical church where you're at, I want to encourage you to be a part of a church. Some, because there are things that God has intending for us to fellowship and to help each other with that we can't do just online. And so I encourage you, I invite you to come be a part of that. Friends, that's why I believe every Christian needs to be involved in a church. Every single one. It's why every single one of us need to be actively involved in a church. We need to be learning from one another. We need to be pouring into one another. Okay? 
As, as, as some pour into you, you can pour into others. Amen. And we all need each other for that. You can't do that on your own. During World War II, experiments were done by various militaries to determine the most effective type of punishment for getting information uh, out of prisoners. You know what was found out? You know what was discovered? It was discovered that solitary confinement was the most effective method for extracting information from prisoners. After a few days of solitary confinement, most prisoners would crack like that. Since then, studies have shown that extended periods of solitary confinement can actually cause severe mental illness. Just Google online a little bit about that. And you'll see all sorts of articles about uh, studies and so forth. People who experience solitary confinement are more likely to develop anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts, and psychosis, and it can also affect one's physical health. And personally, I believe we are seeing some adverse effects from COVID and the things related to that because of that, because of the confinement that we all were forced into for a period of time, friends, which does nothing else than to prove one very thing is that we all need each other. We all need fellowship. Amen. Because without that, we become prey for temptation and the devil. Um, you've probably heard the old illustration about a, a, you know, a, a fire. And we, we, as long as the, the wood is all together, it stays burning good. But you take one, one coal out of the fire and you set it off and it cools off almost immediately. Uh, so much quicker than it would if you keep it with the others. And friends, the same thing is true in our lives. Listen, um, in the world we live in today, we all need encouragement. Amen. Because in our, in our lives, maybe you go all week long in your workplace and you don't even see a Christian and you are the one that is the light and salt in that place. And so to be encouraged to know, Hey, there are other people that believe God's word like I do. And I can be encouraged by them and we can learn together. We can grow together. Friends, that helps us. That's why it's important to be involved in a church so we can build each other up. Amen. So immerse yourself in the word of God. Second priority, build each other up. Third priority Paul gives us and another result of letting the word of Christ dwell in us richly is to let our heart, let our hearts overflow with worship. Let our hearts overflow with worship. And Pastor Brandon said, there we go. All right. Amen. And, and it's not, well, let's, let's get in here. I don't want to get ahead of myself here. Look at verse 16 again. Look at what it says next. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. And I believe we talk about the commas and so forth. I believe this next phrase goes with the last idea as well. In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace or with thanksgiving in your hearts to the Lord. Now, it's uncertain whether the Apostle Paul here is trying to make a distinction between various types of songs that we sing. 
Psalms, which would relate to the Psalter, um, literally means praises, but that Psalm book of uh, the Hebrews, right? That we basically is right in the middle of our Bible. Uh, Psalms put to music are beautiful. Hymns, those things that, uh, that generally speaking, lift up the Lord Jesus Christ and praise who he is. Uh, spiritual songs. That's a category that kind of can lump a lot of things in there, right? Song, the word for songs there is just a, just a generic word. So Paul adds spiritual songs into it. Uh, it speaks about songs that are of testimony and what Christ has done in our lives. Personally, I believe Paul here, rather than giving a, we can only sing these three types of songs. I believe he's just saying, listen, whether it's a psalm, a hymn, or a spiritual song, sing all of it with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Sing it all with thanksgiving to the Lord. Amen. Uh, where, where should it start? Does it say there? In your hearts. In your heart. I know Pastor Brandon would 100% agree with me on this. Friends, we, before, uh, before a song ever gets out of our lips, it should be come through our hearts. Amen. It should come through our hearts because of what, because we are grateful for what Christ has done for us. And as it comes through our hearts and as we are grateful for what Christ has done for us, um, then it should overflow into our, uh, out of our lips and into the songs that we sing on Sunday morning. But you know what? Um, worship is so much more than just what we do here on Sunday morning. Amen. Now, don't misunderstand me. Uh, even though I believe Paul here is not simply talking about um, singing on Sunday morning. That's why he says singing with grace or with thanksgiving in your hearts. So what we do singing here on Sunday mornings ought to be an overflow of the joy and the thankfulness and the gratefulness that we have in our hearts for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That it ought to be an overflow. And so when we, when we sing, it ought to be out of appreciation. We ought to, it shouldn't be, oh, thank you, Jesus. I love you. Yeah. Uh, I understand singing may not be your thing. But when you get excited about something, you just can't contain it. Okay? Um, I don't know what it is that excites you, but I want you to think about that. You know, whatever it is, something that would, would really get you excited, you can't contain it. You're going to go tell somebody. You're going to tell others. You're going to, it's going to come out. You're going to have to say something about it. And so that's the overflow, I believe, that ought to come out of not just our mouths here on Sunday morning, but ought to come out of our, our whole life. Amen? When we allow the Spirit of God to control us and fill us, it ought to overflow into our lives. So why, why, why do we, why do we come with, why do we want to worship? Why do we want to be with other believers? Why do we want to sing to the Lord? It ought to be out of an overflow of what God has done in our lives. Some of you have wondered what in the world I've got over here. Um, I, I, I told somebody this morning, I said, listen, don't get too excited. It's not really it's, it's, I'm going to move this out of the way so y'all can see over there. Um, it's nothing really spectacular, but I've just got a glass and I want to, you to imagine that this glass represents your life. Okay. It's got some nice flowers on it. So you guys, um, I'm just pretending who represents you as well. All right. But if this, this glass represents your life, friends, when is this glass going to overflow? Is it over? Is it going to overflow now? Why not? Because it's not full, right? Is it, is it going to overflow now? 
Not yet. It's going to overflow when we allow ourselves to get full and to flow over. Let the overflow um, come out of our life. Listen, when we allow the Holy Spirit to con- to, to fill us and to, to take control of our being. Now, what does that mean? That means not my will. We'll talk about this in a minute. Not my will, but thy will be done. Amen. Not what I want, but what he wants. I want to submit myself to him and allow him to do his work in my life. And as we do that, then, and, and as we are, we understand what he has done for my li- our lives, right? Then we're, our life is going to overflow with thankfulness and gratefulness for who he is. And that I'm a, I'm a sinner. I'm, I'm a sinner that would bust hell wide open on its, on my best day. And except for the grace of God, I, I, I would spend eternity in hell, but because of the love that Jesus poured out on the cross and he died for me and s- died for my sins to cover to, to th- his sacrifice, his blood to cover the, the penalty of my sins, that I'm the one who should be paying that when I realize that I don't have to, but he's done that for me. And God, the father says that he accepts that on our behalf, then, then that gratefulness and thankfulness and joy overflows out of my life. When I remember those thoughts, when I think about that, that's why pastor Brandon, why we are intentional here at Southside about, um, about the words of the songs that we sing. The words, uh, are very specific to talk about what God has done for us who he is and who, who we are in his presence, but, but what he's done for us and who he's made us in to be because of what he's done for us. And when we fully understand that, then that thankfulness and gratefulness cannot help but to flow out. Amen. Uh, we don't listen. When we understand that, we don't have to fake it. We, 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 all, we don't have to just go through the motions, friends. Because we fully understand and appreciate. Now, I understand life gets complicated. Amen? Life gets complicated. You just don't understand what all I got going on in my life. And there's all this stuff going on. And it's weighing me down. And I can't take this or whatever. And listen, I'm there with you a lot of the time. That's why I come back. And that's why we come back to the first thing is immerse yourself in the word of God. Sometimes um, we have to get still before the Lord and focus on what he's done for us and what is what is real and true and lasting as paul says the the affliction of this world the light he says the light affliction of this world is passing and the truths of scripture are what are going to abide forever and when we oh, Friends, when I, when I let that permeate my mind and my heart and my soul and my being, I can't help but to let it flow. It can't help but to overflow. Amen? We want what comes out of our mouths and, as we're going to see here in a minute, what comes out of our lives to simply be an overflow. Live out of the overflow. Amen? And the way you do that is to Focus and remember on what he's done for you. Leads us to number four. Immerse yourself in the word of God. Build each other up. Let our hearts overflow with worship. And the fourth priority I believe Paul gives us here is this, that we need to do everything 
everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 17, here's what he says. He says, and whatever you do, and whatever you do, is that just here on Sunday morning? If that wasn't enough for him to say, whatever you do, he says, in word or deed, whether you, whatever you do, he's talking about how we live our life in word or in deed. Whatever you do, do all, if that wasn't, do all, everything, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. In other words, the overflow shouldn't just be on Sunday morning. Amen. You know, we come and praise God on Sunday morning and then go live like the devil throughout the week. (laughs) No, no. The overflow should be permeate our lives, friends. Um, Now, I I believe this is pretty straightforward, but I want to simply give you what I believe are four implications, at least four practical implications of this command. First of all, First of all, that whatever we do, we need to do it heartily as unto the Lord. Whatever we're doing. So your pastor, you're saying, if I'm serving in the nursery, I need to do it as to the Lord. Yes, but I'm also saying, you know what? If you are, um, if you are a childcare worker out in the out in out in in the world, if you are a computer analyst out in the world, you need to do that as if you're doing it under the Lord. Uh, we're going to talk about this more next week. Verse 23 uh, is really, Paul repeats this concept where he says this, and whatever you do, do it heartily, do it with heart, as to the Lord and not to men. Friends, so do it with that type of effort. Do it not with eye service as men pleasers, but as if God himself were your boss. Because guess what? He is. <laughs> He is. So do it heartily. The second implication of this, I believe, is, friends, that we need to pass everything we do through the filter. You remember this from a few years back. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? So everything we do, we ought to pass through that filter. What would Jesus do? Or what would Jesus not do? <laughs> Goes both ways, right? And so, so what would he do? First John 2, 6 says this. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. So friends, who is our example? Jesus. How are we to pattern our lives? After Jesus. Now, is he much more than just an example for us? Yes. He is our savior. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. But that doesn't nullify the fact that he is our example. Okay, he is our example and we are to walk, we are to emulate Jesus. We are to walk just as he walked. The third implication I believe it gives us friends is that God's priorities ought to be our priorities. Can we admit that that's not often the case? That we do what, all right, I haven't used this in a long time and this child is not here any longer. So I'm going to use this. One of my children I won't say which one, when they were young, old enough to talk and move and everything, um, had a fit one day. Um, And this child, in having this fit, um, threw a doozy, okay? Um, Brandon, have you had those 
before, you know, every child has them, okay? So don't think, oh, you're, no, every child has them. But in this fit, this child gave me ammunition for the rest of my pastoral life when they said, I'm not going to say whether it's a he or a she, that would narrow the pool. Um, this child said, but I want to do what I want to do. And friends, whether we say it out loud or not, that is exactly what is rooted in the heart of man. I want to do what I want to do. And friends, part of letting the Holy Spirit have control in our lives is releasing that to him. But we realize that what I want to do leads me down a path that is not where I want to end up. And that's what we need to realize. And so when we realize that and we give that over to the Lord, then we become, hopefully, we get to a place as Jesus taught us to pray in Matthew chapter um, 6. Not my will. Look, look at this with me. Matthew chapter 6. When in the middle of um, the, the Lord's prayer where he says, your will be done. It's not my will be done, right? But your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Can we honestly say that, that we are willing to, to surrender our will to his will, our priorities to his priorities? I believe that's part of what this means here in verse 17. And number four, so um, we need to surrender our will to his will. And, and the fourth implication, friends, I believe is that what we do for God ought to be done out of a heart of gratitude to Jesus. I believe what this verse 17 means is, and one of the implications of that is that what we do for the Lord ought to be done out of a heart of gratitude for the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, not out of obligation, not out of compulsion, not out of legalistic duty. Oh, I've got to do this. No, God wants us to do what we do. You know, God wants us to give, right? But as Corinthians tells us, as Paul tells us in Corinthians, he says, not out of compulsion, but willingly, cheerfully, for God loves a cheerful giver, right? God loves a cheerful Christian who doesn't walk around, I'm going to act like this. I can't do this because God wouldn't want me to do it. There's some overflow. That's right. The overflow is just coming out. Praise the Lord. Um, so how do we give thanks to the Father? Look at verse 17. It says, giving thanks to God the Father through him. We give thanks to God the Father for what he's done for us in sending Jesus to die on the cross. We do that through Jesus. In other words, what I believe he means here is by doing everything we do, by doing the first part of the verse, doing all in the name of the Lord Jesus. So we give thanks to the Father through, how do we do that? We do that through Christ by doing all everything we do in the name of the Lord Jesus to his glory and heartily as if we're working directly for him. We do it all not out of obligation, compulsion, legalistic uh, obligation, but out of love and appreciation and thankfulness for what he has done for us. Amen. I want to close with this. 
Um, a newspaper writer um, several, quite a few years ago, Dana, by the name of Dana Keaton, shared, um, shared the following story in the newspaper, The Democratic Union of Lawrenceburg, Tennessee. She wrote, the sun had just risen on a hot August day in 1944 in the small village of Plalo in German-occupied France. The 15-year-old boy did not know why he and other citizens of Plalo had been lined up before a firing squad in the middle of town square of the town square. Perhaps they were being punished for harboring French underground freedom fighters, or perhaps it was merely to satisfy the bloodlust of the German commanding officer known for his ruthlessness. All the young boy knew was that he was about to die. As he stood before the firing squad, he remembered the carefree days of his childhood before the war. He thought about all he would miss by never, never being able to grow up. Most of all, he was terrified of dying. How would the bullets feel as when they hit him? As all of these thoughts were rushing and traveling through his mind as he awaited what was the inevitable shots to be fired, suddenly he heard the sound of exploding mortar shells just outside their little village. All of a sudden, the Germans who were lined up getting ready to fire were forced to abandon the firing squad and to go face a small unit of U.S. tanks with about 20 men led by, a man, led by a man by the name of Bob Hamsley, a corporal in General Patton's Third Army. One of the French freedom fighters had escaped and gotten to Hamsley and asked him for help. And here he was, he came with his unit to save the day. They engaged um, these German soldiers and after about three hours, 50 Nazis were dead and the other 50 were taken prisoner. Fast forward 46 years to the year 1990 when the town of Plalo decided to honor Army Corporal Bob Hamsley on the very spot where dozens of the town's citizens would have died if not for he and his men. The man who initiated the search for Hamsley and the ceremony honoring him was none other than the former mayor of Plalo, that same 15-year-old boy who had stood before that firing squad 46 years before. He had determined to find that man who saved his life and honor him and recognize what he'd done for them. Friends, what a great example for us. Amen? Are you honoring the one who saved you with your life? Do you understand the magnitude of what he's done for you? Friends, are, are you grateful? And is that gratefulness overflowing into your life? And maybe more importantly, are you, do your priorities show that? 
Or do you need to make some adjustments today? Friends, maybe you're here, maybe you're watching online and you've never surrendered your heart and your life to Christ as your Lord and your Savior. What a better time. There's no better time than to do that right now. Jesus died for you in your place to save you from the certain death because of your sins in eternity. And he wants to give you a new life. Would you invite him into your life today? Friends, maybe, maybe you've been saved and your life has not shown in your priorities an appreciation for what Christ has done for you. Maybe you need to evaluate those priorities. Are you in the word like you need to be? I want to encourage you. I'm, about a month or so ago, I encouraged, encouraged you to get in, if you weren't reading the word of God, to read through the, the, the gospel of John. I don't know what the next step may be for you, um, but I want to encourage you to not just dabble in the word of God, but to dive in and immerse yourself in the word of God. If you need help with that, I'm going to invite you to come to me, come to Pastor Brandon. We'll help you where to get started, maybe a study to do, something like that. Whatever it is, I want to encourage you in that. Um, friends, maybe, maybe you need to change your family priorities. I don't know. Um, maybe as a couple, husband and wife, you need to sit down and say, you know what? Uh, we need to reevaluate. We need to make sure our priorities are are on the Lord and where they need to be. Maybe, maybe you need to sit down and make and just decide that for yourself. Maybe you need to say, you know what? I need to be more involved. I need to be more involved in what God's calling me to do and not just what I want to do. Friends, what step is God calling you to take today to change those priorities? Thanks again for listening to Southside Baptist Church's weekly sermon podcast. If there's any way that we can help you, or if you're looking for your next steps to further your journey with Jesus Christ, please contact us at info at southsidesbc.org. Thanks and have a great week.